Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Runners World podcast with me, Ben Hobson. A solo roving reporter episode from me today, but please don't let that put you off as I've tracked down a former guest and the massive running brain when it comes to all things injury, Mr. Gareth Cole. Um, I wanted to talk to Gareth about the knee and why it's always the centre of attention for all the right and wrong reasons um, when it comes to running. And so we we broke down basically what the knee is, what it does, what affects its function and how to protect it best as possible from the forces of running. So, without further ado, here is our guest of the week. Guest of the week, here in the studio, guest of the week, sometimes on the phone, could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. I am joined today by former guest and founder and head of performance at Coach London, Gareth Cole. Gareth, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Ben. Um, We spoke before about the gate cycle. We did. And if anyone hasn't listened to that one, they should, because it's incredibly informative and brilliant. But this time you are back (laughs) to talk about knees. Yes, knees in its entirety. A strange name of a joint, isn't it, really? (laughs) The big, the broad broad spectrum of the knee. Um, It's always, it's kind of almost like the great villain with running. It is. It's the victim. Yeah, It's the victim. It really is. Yeah. It's um, patellofemoral pain really in runners is the number one thing um it's predominantly really it's a symptomatic thing but not the causation this is is the problem Mm. it's got a a big ball above it and a big ball below it in the hip and the ankle that wants has so many degrees of freedom it wants to move around a lot yeah yeah. and the knee is just a hinge joint it has a little bit of rotation but on the whole yeah all those forces and torques are going through that joint this is it right so (laughs) let's get into the knee at a very basic level. Okay. What does the knee do? Okay, it's a, it's a hinge joint yep. which generates force, but it also absorbs force mm. um, in locomotion, in gait, in any sort of dynamic or static movement, mm. really. It also takes load from the floor through the ankle to the hip to generate those sorts of forces really yeah, yeah. it's it's got a real multi-factorial role to play really yeah, yeah. in 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 movement in just general yeah. movement and yeah. the, and as you say it's uh it's often the victim it's often the sort of the point of much distress for runners perhaps in sort of like it builds to be the the problem area but it's never the knee's fault 
Well, it can be. It can, it be. can be the Great. niche fault, but a, a lot of the time, uh, it tends to be. It's an investigative sort of procedure, really, in seeing relative to the foot what's going on, relative to the hip. I mean, what's the availability of the runner in regards to what and what constraints? I mean, what is the hip doing relative to the knee? Is it internally rotating? Is it creating those medial forces or lateral forces? And then there's the musculature as well. So what are the main, what are the main influences on the knee then when we're talking about how the knee functions? Because it's a hinge joint, it goes up and it goes back and forth. It does, it goes and forwards and backwards. Yeah. yeah. So where does the strain come from? Where do, what, what are the outside influences that affect the knee when running? Okay, okay. Yeah, and, and it's, you can really get into this, but everything that crosses the knee, every muscle that crosses the knee plays a part. So people just think the quadriceps and the extensors and the hamstrings and knee flexors. You tend not to talk much about the abductors and the abductors, the abductors, adductors. All of these play a role in trying to keep that knee in that sagittal forward and backward plane in movement. Um, and again, the gastrox crosses the knee, uh, anterior tibialis. So all of these, all this musculature together either contract, co-contract, or within milliseconds are contracting and relaxing to try and keep that joint in its optimized position, really. Yeah, so, does that answer your question? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, the very beginning of it, perhaps. <laughs> so when you sort of like, and when we, we'll dive into sort of like p potential issues, but I guess yeah. like muscle strength and weaknesses then come into how the knee behaves. Yeah, it, it does. <clears throat> like, say, say you've had a pathology, say you've had a problem with the knee, so that muscle that crosses that joint can turn off or it can be, it's not inactive, but you'll, it'll, the body will just use other muscles to perform that task. So it, it's little things like this. It, there'll be a, his, a history of this and they need to be checked really because it might not be the most optimum way for you to move. And then over time you'll find yourself using the quadricep more or using the hamstring a lot more or less to create, to perform that task. Yeah, I mean, definitely anecdotally from my point of view, quad has always been... We've checked that before, Ben. <laughs> the dominant force in the knee yes. and the issues that have then occurred. But yes. as you say, um, it's, 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 it's what I've learned about that joint is that it's influenced by so many different elements and it has these tricky components within it, ligaments and meniscus yes. and yeah. all these sort of elements which can naturally wear can be draw like can wear due to trauma so yeah. it's kind of like you know the, the the balancing acts of the knee tends to take quite a lot of the brunt and obviously there's the fabled like running is bad for your knees but actually it's a, it, the knee itself is, is a joint doing its best to cope with all the like, it, it yeah. really is yeah, yeah. and I, if you look at the forces on the knee yeah uh, they tend to be or they are a lot higher in that deceleration so mid stance in running going downstairs so even though the quadricep is described as a knee extensor, yes. it's actually controlling decelerating knee flexion, which is the more important role. That's where those big forces are coming in. When you slam your foot down into the ground, that quadricep's got to do a lot of work to stop that knee just flex, flex, flex to the point you're on the floor. So those forces really, and again, from a training perspective, from a conditioning perspective, you have to, you have to at least take that into account from a runner's perspective yeah. about how that quadricep acts and works within that given task do you find when you're addressing knee issues when people come and see you is it predominantly a quadricep 
issue or is it, it, it could it be absolutely anything like is it it, it really is this the quadricep plays a role for sure um but for us specifically we're looking at joints to begin with and again i went back to affordances and constraints and things but what is the hip doing um you'll see a lot of there's something called anti and retroverted hips so you'll see people's feet pointing in and pointing out so that's your base of support so when you land what is your foot and your hip doing and is it the optimum way for that knee to be able to move or is it being forced into rotational torques or lateral torques so all of these things really play a role so the quadricep to answer your question is definitely a big player there but there's an awful lot more, more going on that you definitely have to check to try and find causation. So when, you, when you're working with runners and you have a sort of the, the knee is perhaps they've got an issue, they've got some p- pain, patella could be flared or they've got like MCL, ACL kind of different pieces. What sort of, what's your process of, of, of assessing the knee? I mean, you've certainly done it to me where you've seen any sort of anterior tilting of the hips and sort of, you know, yes. and, yeah. uh, and watching my feet, whether they're in and out and all that sort of stuff. So if someone's at home lying on the floor, how yes. could they assess? How, what could they do to sort of like look at how their hips are behaving? Yeah, well, I, I think there's, there's two. There's passive sort of assessment where somebody's lying on their front of their back and there you can just assess passive joint ranges. So if you're lying on your front and you grab your foot or you get somebody to bring your foot towards your glutes, you'll start feeling an increase in pressure at the front of the knee. And that will give you an indication of how much joint range that you have. So, but that doesn't really tell you the whole story because once you get on your feet, then yeah, the motor system's in play, other joints are at play. So what's going on there? So you can isolate and have a look at the joints, but then you need to integrate it as well on the feet. you know, have a look at somebody walking, have a look at somebody running. Then you start seeing, with a good coaching eye, you'd be able to start seeing those forces at play. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, the forces is the bit. It's controlling the forces and making sure that the forces are being sort of uh, transferred through the body in the most efficient way, right? Exactly. And that's where you get an issue sometimes with the knee because it becomes pushed yeah, exactly. And, and there's, this, there's a big motor skill element to this as well. Um, so people can overstride from the front. I mean, running downhill, I mean, a huge amount of torques going through the knee. So what's going on there? Are they shortening their stride? Uh, are they, what sort of skills do they have at playing perspectives to be able to deal with that particular specific task? These need to be addressed. Volume's a big thing. You know, how many, how many miles are you cranking out? I mean, telling a runner to stop running <laughs> it's the uh, oh it's impossible it's, it's not yeah it's not yeah, something yeah. you you got to be very careful what you say very yeah, very course. careful yeah. yeah i think that the other thing with knees is that um they always sort of like the the, the aches and the pains when you when you do add mileage come in and, and, and everyone sort of like considers the knee to be the first point of weakness yes what, how would you address? How do you address that again? Is this, is that all conditioning? Is that because naturally running should be that thing that we go and do? Yes. Yeah. And you know the body copes with it and path of least resistance and all mm-hmm. these sorts of things. Yeah. But if you're dealing with someone, if you had, if you had someone come to you and they were like blank piece of paper, I want to start running. And I'm going to go for the marathon. Okay. How long have we got? <laughs> Six months. Okay. All right. How, how, what would you, like, if you were thinking, if you watched them walk and you saw, actually, right, there's instability here at yes. the hip and it's going to transfer to the knee, 
what would be what how would you build into yeah so that i mean as a performance coach you're looking at how do you manage that time within that six months and you kind of retrograde it so you look back at right we need this runner to be able to perform on this given day and then work backwards so then you get you get your findings and your assessments and your analysis and then you look at that and think right then where's the best time spent here is it motor skill six months you can pick up skills quite quickly. And what I mean by that, I mean, is can we change the way in somebody actually runs to be a lot more efficient? <clears throat> That's not a bad place to start. Because if you have, again, your foot landing underneath your hip, if you've got good cadence, if you've got a good stride length and forces are being controlled, and then you build that volume over time with no injuries, no pain, they're recovering quickly, then we're onto something. Yeah. So shoes, choice is a huge thing as well so minimal drop or the kind of minimalistic shoe as well and some people can take that there's a lot more going on at the ankle and the foot some people can't <clears throat> but these things all play a role as well so and then from the conditioning perspective it's what the runner presents and they obviously need to build volume they need to build mileage but there's the conditioning and the strength element to it strength endurance uh, tendon and well, predominantly, just tendon, really, a lot of the time, from a muscular perspective, needs to be robust. It needs to have that stiffness. It needs to be able to work for long periods of time. I mean, these are huge amounts of repetitions when you're building for a marathon. And then there's recovery strategies as well. So it's, it's not cookie cutter. It really is. You can't just pull this A4 off, you know, A4 sheet program off the side yeah, exactly. and just go, right, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can do, and a lot, you know, robust enough to get away with it and have the biomechanics, a lot of people don't. Yeah. So just some real small interventions can make really big wins, but they've got to be the right ones. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And how, how about the ankle? Because, you know, in terms of uh, flexing and uh, stiffness in the ankle and how that can affect the knee. Yeah, well, obviously the ankle and the foot uh, has a lot of degrees of freedom. There's a lot of eversion and inversion of that calcaneus, that midfoot pronates and supinates. So these are all three planes of movement. And that knee only just wants to go one way. So again, you're looking at people walking with their shoes off. You want to check MTPJ, the big toe. You want to see if that has, got, has it got the range. So again, we're looking at what's available to the runner and what isn't. And then what is the best way forward, really, for that person to complete this task of the marathon? The un an understanding, because it's certainly something that I had no real understanding of. And when I got knee pain, I was just a bit like, oh, well, it must be just that my knees are or people go straight to itb oh it's it's runner's knee yeah. and it's itb let's get a bit of rolling in yeah, and yeah. we're fine yeah, yeah and then you get a scan yeah and then as as we age <laughs> as, as we age we get natural wear and tear but in my case it showed meniscus damage so yes. immediately surgery's on the table because it's yep. meniscus and that's kind of the default action but you you know i've, I've seen you about it you tested how the the strength of my knees yes yeah no, yeah. no problem yeah the That's, range of your knees yeah. great joint ranges great strength so it's this unpicking you've got imagery which leads surgeons to consider yes. that that's the option yeah and sometimes that's the right option of course. sometimes that is yeah, yeah. yeah i mean certainly um rick who co-host he had surgery on his knee because mm. it was causing locking yes so he needed to sort of like he couldn't whereas i never had that so there's these yeah. different scenarios where the Very knee much so. does need treatment or doesn't need treatment but I think it's just the sort of unpicking the knee as the sort of middle ground between the other parts of the body. Yes. And how yeah. that's influenced and sort of addressing that. So 
in terms of uh, components in the knee that are mm. liable to pain, start at the front? Yes. Yeah. So patella tendon's a big one. Yeah. yeah. That tends to, well, I mean, all that musculature in the quadricep really all feeds into that patella tendon. And whatever the, the knee does, the patella does really kind of, it works together on this. Um, but obviously meniscus, yes. you know, there's medial lateral meniscus as well. There's all sorts of different tears that can occur at the meniscus as well. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So with the, the patella is basically, if, if people are t- holding their knee, it's the sort of the underneath the kneecap, it's that bulge. So the patella tendon, yeah. yes, yeah. So the patella itself is obviously the kneecap. Yep. Then underneath that, yeah. then you have things like bursas and you have uh, the tendon itself. Mm. And, but you've got pretty much the tibia sitting on the knee. Right. And then there's cartilage, ligaments and tendons all trying to control that joint. Yeah. Really, and the musculature obviously as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But one of the big things I think from a runner's perspective is their rise and fall when they're running. I think, I mean, if you just look at the horizon, I mean, a nice take home here would be just pick a point in front of you and have a look how high and low it's going. I mean, the more you go up, the more that knee has to decelerate you. I mean, and we're talking forces three, four, five times body weight at times for long periods of time. So it's a joint, it's going to wear. So can we make some small interventions to help that? Do you prescribe to like quite heavy lifting? I mean, if you're sort of dealing with someone who's, you know, because if if the quad isn't up to task in terms of endurance and power, and obviously people are running a lot, which means their endurance is good and that muscle function is good, but they're probably not lifting a weight of higher, you know, caliber. Is that something that you would prescribe to someone like, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think it's actually essential within, especially marathon. but, but all running, really. I mean, there has to be a part where you address the musculature and the quality of that muscle as well. What's it doing? Um, that, those contractile forces in a gym setting, in conditioning, you can actually increase those forces. So when you're out running, you've adapted to those forces, to those stresses, and you're able to, with good volume and with good programming, you're able to consistently improve over time. It's nine times out of 10, it's normally a breakdown of the conditioning a lot of the time or the volume. And you've got to look at both of those things together. 
um, where are the weaknesses, what do we need to, st- I mean, a lot of hamstring um, can be avoided, an awful lot of it can be, especially eccentrically. So, you know, what can we do here? What intervention can we make to make sure that that hamstring is really helping that knee, especially in the mid-stance phase, but also that propulsion phase as well, really important. Yeah, yeah. So a bit more on that because everyone always thinks propulsion, they think quad and power and drive. Yes. But actually the, the, the posterior chain in running. Oh yes, yeah. Glutes, hamstrings, and then how that behaves with the knee. Just a bit more, like how do those things actually correlate to the gait cycle in the sort of... Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it's fascinating because everyone's present, presenting again a slightly different way in which they're doing this. But a nice rule of thumb is the faster you go, the more posterior chain, the more gluteal the more gastroc, the more hamstring you're going to need to use just to propel yourself forward from those ground, horizontal and vertical ground reaction forces. Um, but they still play a part in endurance running, those upright runners as well. So it's, it's definitely something you need to address there. But like I said, in the front of the leg, you've got the anterior tibialis, which helps in dorsiflexion of the foot. But when your foot's on the ground, again, it helps the knee and the quadricep stay in position mm. dorsiflexion so, is literally the, the way that the foot yes yeah, so if you if you bring your toe towards you yeah that's a dorsiflex movement but <clears throat> it's also relative to the knee and the, sh- and the tibia so when you plant your foot yeah your ankle is dorsiflexing so it, it's actually you're creating a smaller angle there because the knee is moving towards the toe so that's the dorsiflexes really but yeah so both anterior and posterior chain both play a part uh, and it's when you're looking at somebody running, you can actually see predominantly where they are and what they're doing. Yeah, really. It, it, it's it's amazing when you watch. I mean, it's quite. It, it to talk about how an elite performs is obviously quite. It's quite a good an example to look at in terms of when you see someone running and their heel is basically grazing their bum with every stride. Oh, David Radisha, watch him. Right. Absolutely. You see someone yeah, like that, beautiful, yeah. and you can see the, the role that the, like something like the hamstring plays. Oh, because yeah. It pulls that toe up off the floor. It pulls that toe off the floor and it yeah. brings the leg back up towards the bum. It and does. then, you know, it's, everything's neatly tucked in. And you might, yeah. if I see myself running, my, if my heel goes above my knee, you know, like it's <laughs> exactly. kind of, that's like a, yeah. I think I'm, I'm doing great things. So you can really, if you watch people and consider the function of the muscle, and that's really where you can see the difference. Oh, yes. Yeah. And another thing for the hamstring is it plays a huge role. I mean, in the swing phase, people think, well, the foot's off the ground. It's not doing anything. But the hamstring decelerates hip flexion. So, so the leg just doesn't swing all the way forward. So that changes stride length. So it's doing an awful lot in propulsion, but also in deceleration as well, all the time. And most, muscul- most muscles are doing that. And a good way of looking at it is how you're decelerating. That's where the forces are. And um, we, we tend to think about, you know, power and force. But you need to control that. Yeah. Yeah. So the hamstrings multi-role. You're a man who loves to read a study and to keep up to date with the latest thinking. With things like meniscus, which is probably a very, certainly people who've had knee issues who are listening to this may well have been something that they've been told might be an issue. What's, what's the latest on, the, how, how, would, how do you treat meniscus? I mean, obviously we've talked about, it, I guess it's a pain level and an interference with being able to run is the kind of the things, but the sort of tides have shifted quite significantly on what meniscus damage is and how to treat it. They have, and there's there's non-responders as well to the point where 
and what I mean by non-responder is you can do an awful lot of conditioning with them, think you've got causation, think you've got, you know. I mean, meniscus tends to be a torsional or a rotational force going onto the knee. And there's going to be lots of them happening at the hip, um, happening at the ankle. So, but also there's compression and understanding how much load is going through that knee. But you can have a scan, like you said, Ben. Um, you, can, you can see there's a bucket tear or there's something going on. Um, some people say, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. No pain whatsoever. And then others are coming in um, and they're running. And, but the scan has shown something. There's some inflammation of some description and they've gone and got it scanned and they go, oh, right, this is the problem. But everyday life, it isn't the problem. And there are others who have no meniscal tear at all, but have a huge amount of pain going in through the knee. So again, it's, it's looking at that person as an individual, what they want to do with that knee is a big thing. Uh, and if there is pain present, then there are set procedures that you look to. But can you also look to, not exhaust measures, but can you look at <clears throat> potential other factors in play that could reduce those symptoms as well? So, and I think that's, that's the first port of call, I think. We've got to look at that. Um, so you're taking the individual's pain threshold into account. You're taking into account what they do with that knee, what they want to do with that knee. Um, look at the musculature, look at the joint ranges, look at their motor skill. And all of these things will play a little role in that pathology, really, to a degree. You can see a lot of different training approaches have become quite popular. There's a guy called uh, Ben, I can't remember his name, he's knees over toe guy, have you seen? And, and this sort of like, these different ways of addressing knee conditions and sort of like actually putting all the sort of like, never put your knees over your toes and you're loading it. And in fact, this is the opposite. This is, you know, build that load up. I mean, I think it kind of probably falls into the category of that it works for some and it won't work for others. But, you know, it is, it, there seems to be quite a sort of a larger trend with knees and knee health and, and kind of like all these different approaches. In your years of experience, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's like anything really, and especially from a social media perspective, the more you exacerbate anything, the more you pick out a potential problem or a potential sort of uh, thing that people say mm -hmm. and just go against it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to get some sort of uh, lots of feedback. But really, if you understand biomechanics and you understand how we move, then the knee's always gone over the toe. Yeah. You can't go upstairs without the knee going over a toe. So it's always having those forces. I mean, do you have to take them to that extreme um, for some people um, who can get away with it and they have... They have great joint ranges, um, but there's a balance to this whole thing. Uh, and it's, again, it's asking yourself, well, what do you want to do with that knee? I mean, if you're talking about bulletproofing that knee, I think a lot of people who would try that and attempt that would probably fall foul to some injury because of those extreme ranges. So you'll look at the end range of what somebody can do, but they, they don't tend to show the process of what it takes to get there as well. Uh, so it's, um, the knee's always gone over the toe. It's not something... People I should ever, ever worry about nothing. You should ever worry about no. Yeah. But get a, get uh, you know your kinematic feedback. You yeah. know how's it feeling? Yeah. You know, yeah. What's the pressure like down there? Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and That's all it. of these things play a role. Yeah. Exactly that. Oh, Gareth, look, thank you so much for thank you, Ben, picking a body part and discussing it. <laughs> <laughs> the knee. The knee. We'll come back to the hips. Well, maybe yeah, we'll do a special yeah. on the ankles. But yeah. no, it's it's great to have uh, someone with your knowledge just explain how the knee behaves, what influences it. 
mm. and how that can affect runners because it might help someone listening in terms of picking apart a, a potential problem i hope so so thank you so much thank you ben that brings us to the end of this week's runners world podcast a huge thanks to our guest gareth cole and to you of course for listening you can get six issues of runners world for just 12 pounds head over to the internet and just search runners world uk subscription to get this exclusive offer it's not that exclusive it's on it's all over the internet but you can get it um please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already thank you for listening and you will hear from us next week planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.